Thanks for listening to Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Now, here are your hosts, Nina and Brian Dixon. Welcome back, guys, to another brand new episode of Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. So, sorry. We uh, missed two episodes here, but there's a reason for it. Uh, A couple things. First of all, thank you to those people who called me out on the fact that I missed two episodes. (laughs) Some even noticed that I wasn't on episode number 58. Very observant, very astute. That's good. Makes me feel good, actually. Loyal listeners, and we appreciate that. Um, But we've had a lot going on this summer. Um, I'm working on a new project. Brian's doing a lot of stuff under Capital Innovators right now that are big things. And we also decided to hop, skip, jump, and hang out in PA for a while with my family mm-hmm. instead of just sitting in St. Louis. And, you know, you kind of get very monoton- monotonous there because mm-hmm. that's like where our home is and our responsibilities and whatever. You need to change the scenery for a bit. Big time. Um, did that. And, uh, then we drove on last weekend. We drove here, so there was no way we were going to record. It was that fifteen was hours. Drive. It was terrible. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever driven that long by myself, like where I drove that much. No, um, it ended up being what like fifteen hours. It was with fi- our stops. We stopped a lot because let's not forget that four or five years ago when I moved to St. Louis, I made that drive alone. Yeah, like on and one made street two. Street. Yeah, made two stops, and I made it in fourteen hours. Yeah, you made good time. And. I drove the whole time. Like nobody was with me to, to yeah. take the wheel. So when we left from St. Louis to come to Pennsylvania, I drove about two hours in the yeah. in the very beginning in the morning when I had all this energy, and then I was like, "Screw this shit! Yeah. I'm I, going to sleep." I did like at one point it was like a seven hour straight stint or eight hour stint, something like that. It was no. like one stop in between six or seven something. Oh, like, like that. in your life? No, no, on that ride. We no, you back. did six hours. I did six on a stint. I yeah, did two, nonstop. and my mom did the rest, yeah. and. It was funny because Brian's cruising, and, and then Brian gives the car. I'm also not a huge fan of driving long distances. I'd rather fly. No, I don't like it either. Right yeah. We just chose not to fly. We also had Onyx with us and the dog. And we also, my mom was in St. Louis with us for about two to three weeks. So we're like, well, let's just make a, you know, let's just drive up there. Like, who cares? But uh, that wasn't fun. Onyx is really funny, just in general. Um, Onyx is our dog. And she, throughout the drive, if you'd like be sitting next to her, this is the first time Onyx has ever gone on like an extended yeah. road trip. And... She would like look at you and then like get a little little uh, restless and then if you would just like put your hand on her paw, she would just go ah and like sit down and then just be totally calm and fall asleep. But yeah. the second you took your hand off her paw, she's like, Where, she was a, "Where'd you go? Where'd she you was go? a cutie. She was like the easiest person in the car. Yeah, I she feel was super. She did a good job. Um, but it was funny because my mom and I don't like night driving. I can't see for shit at night, and yeah. neither can she. And Brian, for some reason, takes the car after I do and like does six hours straight and then leaves the night driving to my mom. And he's like passed out in the car. I'm passed on the back. Yeah. And it, I woke- it was kind of a challenging one, too, because we had spurts of bad weather and we had several yeah. spots where there was construction and we had to sit in traffic for a yeah. long time. It just it was all around. It just was a. It was all, a all around, I'm discombobulated. Waiting, I'm waiting to invest day. in a teleportation company. Yeah, so I can avoid that again. But um, and we all stopped a lot to but go don't to the worry, bathroom. We'll get to do it again whenever we drive back to eat. I know. Anyway, so that is why we couldn't record because we were just gassed and had no energy. But uh, I want to start off this episode today um, with a statement, and it's based off a personal experience that I want to share with people. It might even be the title of this episode. I don't know yet. We'll see how I feel when I'm editing, but. Pink flamingos are real. You already know where this story is going. So for the last several months, I think people have gotten a little bit of an idea that I was going through some like learning lessons, getting over fear and the unknown of life. And I don't know if you guys remember, but back in April, I did a podcast episode where I shared that Brian actually called me out on something and was just like, he's like, you have a fear of the unknown and you got to get over it. Like, you just always fear the unknown, but it could be anything in my life, and that's what I get scared of. Well, I've been working on that a lot lately, and I think I've finally gotten it. It's July now, so what? We've got April, May, June, July. Four months, okay? That's four months. Is like three to four months is how long it takes to develop a new habit, right? Mm-hmm. And recently, I would say about one or two weeks ago, actually, since I haven't done the podcast, I started to – I saw an Instagram post, and it said – Whenever you're asking the universe for a specific outcome or a specific sign for something, sorry, a specific outcome. So say, for example, you want to say, I will have all my debts paid by the end of 
2025 or whatever you want to say. And you want that to be affirmed, like the universe is confirming this for you that it will be done. Ask for some ridiculous sign. And this lady on Instagram, she usually asks for a pink flamingo. Mm -hmm. And when I read it, I don't know why it made me giggle. And I'm like, huh, I should just try it. So I started to play that little game about two weeks ago. And I did it for health stuff. So uh, you guys all know that I, I was going through some health stuff, which, by the way, I think everything's fine. We're back to 100. My brain scans came out clear. Nothing's wrong. It's nothing serious. Um, I think it was just a virus that was leaving my body. And no, it was not coronavirus. Um, and so now I'm, I'm OK now. And so but even during it, like I still have some like lasting effects of the thing. It was just like a really bad like attack on my body of some sort. And um I started to ask for signs, for certain signs. And I would see a pink flamingo within 24 to 48 hours after asking, you know, of something. And so the most recent one that I had... the weird part is you were asking about a blue duck. No, I wasn't. (laughs) And so then yesterday, I asked for a pink flamingo sign for something. And I saw one. I literally walk in. Most random thing. We're not really going out and about with places and with people. Like my family's kind of just like you know, working and doing their own thing. Brian and I are not really like out socializing, going to restaurants. We just don't feel the need to like put ourselves in that situation. Whether I agree with the coronavirus or not, or whether I think it's real or fake is not the point. I just don't care to be around people that bad right now when things are so uncertain. And yesterday we go to this place here in Pennsylvania. It's like a, uh, like a flower shop and it has like outdoor furniture that my mom wanted to look at. And so for the first time in like months, I actually put a mask on. I'm like, okay, I'll just go into the shop, like whatever. I go in and we walk to the back of the store and there's a pillow with a pink flamingo on it. And I'm like, oh my God, like just the most random ways. Three days ago, I asked for some sign and in the affirmative, of course, like you have to say like, I am going to be a billionaire by 2021. Show me a pink flamingo and it means that it'll happen. You know that I'm on the right path. That's how you do it. You speak it in the affirmative of what you want. And then you ask for that specific sign as a confirmation. So I did ask for a sign for something and I was sitting downstairs on the massage chair in my parents' gym. And I turn on this dumb show called Siesta Key. I have no idea what it's about. Just know everybody's talking about it. I'm on the third episode. It's all the rage right now, guys. Siesta Key. I'm on the third episode. <laughs> all of a sudden, there's two pink flamingos in the pool in the background of a scene. I'm like, what the heck is going on? You know? So the whole point of this is that I wanted to share this with everybody listening. That if there's something you're asking for or questioning when it's going to be here or if it's going to happen for you in your life, just say it in the affirmative and then say, angels, show me blank sign. Like pick something. You can pick pink flamingo if you want to. It's very random. Like you don't just see pink flamingos. Turquoise elephant. Yeah. You can do anything. Ask it doesn't for, even have to be an animal. It could be anything. Like, just ask for a sign and that should be your confirmation for your affirmation that you're thinking of. So that was just my little tidbit and um, fun little manifestation story there. What's our topic today? Oh, our topic is... Hold on. I, I just remembered something funny that happened to us like right before we came and drove up to Pennsylvania to kind of tap into this mask thing you just mentioned a second ago. What? Um, I was coming into a convenience store to get something, oh. like filling up a gas tank or something like that. You were in and your the, college, old town. Yeah, I was in, I was in Columbia, um, in Columbia, Missouri, and I haven't been there in years, but that's where I went to school at Mizzou for undergraduate. And I'm going into like this you know, quick trip or something. And the door opens and I, the lady's like, hey, excuse me, sir, could you please go put a mask on? I, uh, we, we're not allowing anybody in with masks. And I was like, oh yeah, no problem. I, I left my mask sitting in the car. Um, so I went back to grab it. And as I'm entering, there's like these two people walking out. I think it was like a guy and his girlfriend. And uh, the guy's like, oh my God, I can't believe that guy tried to enter the store without a mask on. And his girlfriend was like, he has a mask. He just left it. And he's like, that's just so inappropriate. And in my mind, I'm, I'm like, look, I'm like, wow, we've really become brainwashed quickly, right? <laughs> like all of this uh, sensationalism has just completely consumed people's minds so quickly. <laughs> I don't know if the mask works. It doesn't, 100%. Because... I, don't, I don't agree with it. And I think that if you really look at the leading scientists and researchers out in this space, they will all agree that wearing a mask nonstop makes zero sense and it actually has the potential to make you sicker because you're breathing in your exhalations and it's actually and it can create congestion and other issues with your respiratory system. And then when that happens, guess what? You go to the hospital and what do they diagnose you with? COVID nineteen, respiratory flu like symptoms. 
Anyway, I'm just saying the mask, like I, I've talked to several people in the medical space and they've all told me it doesn't make sense. And I've also done a lot of research with like virologists and other people that do this. And it just doesn't like long term, it doesn't make sense to do that, in my opinion. My problem that I seem to have, like the issue that I have is when I see people outside running and they have the mask on their face. Yeah. And it's like 96, 97, 96, 97, 96, 97 degrees. Um and they have this mask on their face. And so like they're sweating into it. They're breathing into it. They're breathing in from it. You know what I mean? And like that's not healthy for your lungs. That's not healthy for your body. My, my brother in New York the other day was outside taking a jog. And he's like, it was 98 degrees. He's like, I could barely breathe with no mask on. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing other people jogging or riding bikes with masks on. I'm like, I'm not surprised they're not passing out. I had to get a, I had to get a haircut for a, like a film that we did a couple weeks ago. And so, like, I didn't want to, but I had to go get this done. And I sat in that chair for three hours with a mask on my face. Do you know how uncomfortable that was? Oh, yeah. Like, that was extremely uncomfortable for me. And then I'm reading all these things. We try to keep up on current events when it comes to this stuff. And I'm reading about how the mask, if this is such a spreadable virus and this is so contagious, what makes you think a paper-thin cloth mask is going to prevent you from catching it or giving it to someone. That mm. makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. It's not an N95. My dad was a dentist and wore a mask every single day, all day long, right? And he said that the majority of the time when you're actually wearing a mask, it's for the psychological benefit of the patient sitting in the chair. But usually that doesn't do a great job. Or also so that the dentist doesn't have to smell the nasty-ass no, breath yeah, of the patient. That, that's the point as which well. Which is gross, or yeah. vice versa. But my, I dad, don't, my dad's like laughing at the mask thing. He's like, it's, he's like, that's the most outrageous thing I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, but I don't think that it prevents a virus from spreading. But hey, people listening probably disagree with me, and that's okay. Yeah. We'll leave it like that. Um, but anyways, here's the topic for today. And I saw this on a post on Instagram as well. It was actually on someone's story. And I think she's like a publicist or something. And she was writing about how if you guys or if people ever took the time to actually sit down and review their lives and question as to why are they living in the city or state that they're living in? Are they happy there? Like, is that where they want to be? Is that like their dream spot? Are they going to live there forever? Are they there by default? You know, are they living there because their family's there and they don't want to leave their family or their family doesn't want them to leave? Are they there because that's where they grew up? You know, Mm -hmm. are they there because their spouse lived there and they moved there to be with them? There's like a ton of like reasons as to why we live where we live. Very few of us pick up and leave and go where we want to go. Right. Um, We let all these other external things just kind of keep us locked down in one spot. And granted, I'm not discounting family and I'm not discounting, you know, cousins, grandkids, nieces, and nephews. But I do believe that you have to kind of live for yourself in life and you have to put yourself first. And that's when everything else flows around you and towards you. If you keep doing things out of fear um, and holding on to people in your life, then that's what you're going to keep attracting in some form, right? And whether it's money or house or people or friendships or career, you'll always be attracting that kind of neediness. And I don't mean to make this a generalization, so bear with me. I'll make my point in a second. But this also goes for who you're with, who you're dating, who you're married to, your morning routine, your night routine, your career. Like, are you in your career because you went to school for it? Or are you in your career because you enjoy it? You know, do you take the time to spend and discover if there's something else that you want to do, if you have other hobbies that you want to do? And so looking at all that, it kind of got me thinking about certain things. And I was like, huh, I have never actually lived anywhere that I wanted to live thus far. I left PA and went to law school, which was in Michigan. Then from Michigan, I went to Philly because it was two hours away from my parents. Then I went from Philly to the suburbs of Philly because I found another job there. And then from there, I'm in here and I went to St. Louis because you're, you're from there. And that's just where you were. And then you liked your career more at the time than I did. So I moved. And it just kind of made me think like how many parts of our lives we might be just living on default. Mm-hmm. Because we don't even think to like, hey, I can pick up and move yeah. to Tulum. I, I can pick up and move somewhere. I discussed this briefly on past episodes that you just mentioned something that made it remind me of it is the living on default, right? Like yeah. how many people, especially before the, the coronavirus stuff started happening, how many people's life consisted of getting up in the morning, eating breakfast, getting ready, going to the office, spending the entire day there, 
coming home, eating, sitting down, watching TV, going to sleep. Like that is, there's a lot of people that probably have that type of routine. There's, I, there's a big example right there with what you just said, though. There's a big chunk of people who look down on people like myself who got out of that rat, rat, like rat race, mm-hmm. I think is what you call it, um, where I was like, screw this. I don't need an office. I don't want a nine to five. And I don't want to work for a boss either. I want to do my own thing. I grew up knowing that, learning that. And it actually flies really well compared to other people who have jobs. And that's exactly what I went for when it was not common to do so. Mm-hmm. When I made this leap in 2016, people were like, what are you doing? You know, like parents were snarkily talking about me. You know, like I know that. Like I know what was being said. And when I took that risk and took that jump, it was what every entrepreneur does. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like three years later, it's like everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to quit their nine to fives. Everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon. However, you didn't have the guts to do it before, you know. And so with this COVID stuff, I feel as though a lot of people were forced to stay home, Mm -hmm. to work from home to be held accountable for their routines and to get up on time, to get to the Zoom call on time, to be to be managing your house, your kids, your work, your laundry, dinner, food, um, text messages, emails, all while staying at home and not being compartmentalized by staying in an office. Mm -hmm. You know, it changed the dynamic for some people. A lot of people love this newfound freedom and enjoy it. And I'm so surprised and shocked to see those who are like dying to go back into work into like a physical space and nothing against them. I'm just saying like, do you ever just question, like wonder like where the majority of your time is going? Where, like, is this where you want to live forever? Is this where you want to work forever? Or are you just attached to it because because it's it's all you know? Yeah, it's comfortability. You know, like, is that, is that what it is? Like, you're just comfortable? Mm -hmm. So... And granted, of course, there's a huge chunk of people who that's all they want. They want their nine to five and they want to go into an office. They want to commute and they want to come home. They want to go to happy hour and then, excuse me, live in the same place. That's fine if that's your dream. But if you question those things now after listening to this podcast and don't desire the life that you have right now, then I feel as though there's something that you have to do about it. You know, another example could be the person you're with. Like, I think that. I think that's a that's a very hard one because it depends on your experience in the dating world. It depends on your age. It depends on your relationship. It depends on how self-aware you are or not to be able to answer that question. But are you truly happy with that person? Or, or do you feel like you're just making everything work, 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 you know? Or do you feel as though you jumped into something with someone because your fear of being alone, mm-hmm. you know? Or... Do you feel as though you have to be with somebody to feel complete? Did you feel pressurized to be with somebody because society says you have to be with somebody Mm -hmm. all the time? We don't glamorize the bachelor or the bachelorette. Mm -hmm. Why? I have no idea why. Like it's it's like not a rhetorical question. Like I legit don't know why we don't glamorize people who just want to be single forever. Like what's wrong with that? I saw an interesting interview one time with Jim, Car- Jim Carrey and he's like, relationships are for the low level amateurs of the world. Cause he goes, the real skill is when you can be comfortable by yourself at all times. Right. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a pretty funny way to state things. It's weird. I-, I used to think that way. And that's why I- I've shared this story before. I went on like a four month hiatus um, before I got with you again. And just forced myself to like be okay. But I was also never the type of person to have to want to have somebody on like on my hip all the time. Mm -hmm. I was actually always very independent and I was never dependent in relationships um, ever really. Always my own space, always my own time, my own money, my own career, my own stuff. But I feel like I took it to an extreme um, where I never grew and evolved past that one time that when I was even around my family or friends, I could only take people in small doses because I was so used to just being super independent, Mm -hmm. you know? And that was kind of ruining me as a person and it was kind of blocking me as being a more compassionate person, a more loving person, a more patient person. So again, like I said, you have to be very self-aware to be able to question the relationship one, but you should. You should step back and say, am I just in it because I married this person? Am I just doing this because it's a promise I made? Or do I really see my future with this person? Or did I once see it and now I don't, you know? And there's a fine, thin line there between always making things work versus giving up too soon, Mm -hmm. right? But only you could know that. Only the person who's making that question 
could ever answer that honestly and truly. I also think too in today's day and age that there's such a programmed mindset of instant gratification that a lot of people yeah. struggle to have the resiliency to work through tough issues and give up too soon around things, you know. I agree and that's with everything. Yeah. That's uh, the, yeah, that's the not, perfect I'm not partner. About relationships yeah. in general I'm talking about like I didn't make money as fast as I could with the job so I quit or I didn't right. do this fast enough so I quit. Like we're so programmed and what's interesting is our society is be is creating a self-imposed artificial mechanic there because like I'll give you another example people have like seven second attention spans now like that's mm-hmm. the average attention span is like seven or eight seconds but look at look at what we're watching and what we're doing right we're used to flicking a finger on social media you see something for two to three seconds they're even coming out with uh, new Netflix type streaming services I think it's called Quibi or Quiddy where it's seven minute series with the goal of people being able to consume an entire episode in seven minutes like the things that are happening are forcing us to have no patience and intention for what we're doing for a lot of people unless you actively work on it every day outside of being consumed right like because there's doing that whether you like to admit it or not everybody's attention span is lower my attention span has decreased by the technology that i use and i have to actively do meditation and other things to make sure that i stay even keel with stuff so it's just really interesting how that's like forcing a shorter attention span, which I think creates a lot of other systemic issues. For me personally, I've noticed that, so the majority of my work is on Instagram, right? I have to do it. But I do notice that if, if I take two to three days away from my phone and don't look at my phone and don't go on it, which I'm trying to do that today, um, I can actually sit down and watch a movie the next day without getting jittery or without like getting up and like getting bored at halfway through. So, this is like where our digital detox stuff is so important. Exactly. Like I think it's very important to take a couple of days and just put the phone away. And granted, like I always think like, oh my God, my algorithm will go down. Like right now with the way I post on my stories, people who follow me, listen, <laughs> I post on stories, but I don't post it because I like to sit on my phone. Mm-hmm. I do it because there's a, a technical reason for doing so. I'm playing the goddamn system at this point, okay? Mm-hmm. Like the more I post the more I have views, the more I post, the more upfront my face an, goes. An engaged audience. Exactly. Like it's, it's just a part of the game. And it's funny that like what you just said reminds me of people like throughout the years that I work out with sometimes and they'll be like, oh, I can't stop working out for a week or two because I'll lose every, all my results. Right. And it's like, no, you won't. <laughs> so it's the same concept. In all fairness, if I don't post for a week or two, I'm not at the top of the thing. And I have cross-checked this with other fake accounts that I have. Well, yeah. So I've, I've, I've been there and I've done that. But then again, I start to I step back and I value my mental, physical, and emotional health over a friggin' algorithm at the day. What am I going to do? Lose a sale? Lose five sales? Do I have to start over again next week? Okay, great. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you have to remember, with this, again, this is with anything in life, like, you kind of had to be able to take a step back and say, is this actually helping me? Or is this having side effects that are seeping into the uh, other parts of my life? And I definitely think that instant gratification thing is. And our technology and our tech entrepreneurs and the marketing world is not helping that. Um, they're like giving you Quibi, seven yeah. second episodes. They're trying to find ways to make things marketing. I'm trying to sell this stuff. Uh, I'm working on a, a line of something for By Dixon. And the marketing stuff is how to make, it's like the user experience. So from the moment that the person sees the product, how do they click on it? How many clicks does it take to make a real purchase? Blah, 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 all these things. And it's like, it's all geared to make it super fast, simple, and efficient. Yeah, like you can go to things. So you don't lose the customer's attention. Yeah. And they've even implemented things now with like to make transactions so easy to, because the easier you can make a, the transaction user experience, the higher the conversion rate is for the transaction to occur. So they even have stuff on Amazon now where you don't even have to touch a button. You can like, you, you can get a product. Since all your information is already plugged in, you literally can swipe or you can like have them do face recognition. It will check you out completely without having to type any info in as long as it's stored. And I know that uh, when I was in China last time, everybody over there uses WeChat. And I was talking to some people because their payments are integrated with WeChat and Alipay. And I asked them, I was like, what do you, like by having that, what have you noticed? And they were like, well, there's obviously a convenience factor, but we end up spending money and not even thinking about it. And then we go and check our accounts and we're like, oh man, I, I didn't even realize I had spent that much this week because it's so easy, right? Like when you don't think about it, you just spend money, you know, and it's, it's like the transaction's so streamlined. There's this store, this online boutique that I'm obsessed with. I won't name it though. And, uh, 
Oshkosh be guy. It's so easy for me to make a purchase on there now, whether I have my credit card or debit card on me or not, mm-hmm. you know? And it just boggles my mind because I'll be there and I'll fill up my cart with like 10 things and like the total will be like 500 bucks. And I'm like, oh no, I don't want to spend that right now. And then the next day I'll go in there again. I'm like, oh, let me see the new stuff. And then when I go to her new stuff, I put the new stuff in my cart and I realize, oh, my cart's still saved in here from a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I want all this stuff. Yeah. And one day eventually between day one and day seven, you bet your ass I hit purchase well, and you, I hit checkout. You know, it's interesting like that and why these stores keep these things in a safe cart after you leave the website is because on average it takes somebody in between like, I think the statistic is like 14 and 23 times of seeing something before they move forward to explore it further. And then another so many times of seeing it before they move forward to a purchasing decision. That's like marketing science, right? And so like you probably notice if you're swiping through something on a social media platform and you see an ad, it's probably you probably don't actually click on it usually until you've seen it like 10 to 15 times because it's at the top of your awareness and you're like, oh, it keeps repetitively beating it into your head. Yeah. And the same thing with these shopping carts. Like you're in there putting stuff in, you leave it, you may come back and check the site out three, four, five, six, seven times and all of a sudden your brain's getting hit with that same product over, over, over and over again until you think, you know what, I think I should buy that. Yeah. That's and what, just, it's how marketing well, science Yeah. Works. And what I'm trying to t- tell you guys is that I'm also on the other side of this. Like... I do get fooled by that. You know, I, I, when it's easy for me to buy something, I do buy it sometimes. Like, it, that does happen. And if it's sitting in the cart and I see it a week later, I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot all about this. This is still in my cart. I get so excited and I want to buy it. You know, yeah. like. It's so funny. It's like the human brain. It's the it human works. brain. It's like I am a content creator and, a, and, a, and an entrepreneur who's selling things. And so I see the science of what I have to do to manipulate people. Mm-hmm. But then it's like I'm also being manipulated, too. Oh, it, like, yeah. all Everybody makes sense. Is. It's so fun, I it's understand funny, like, it. If you're trying to gather a email address to email people, right? The amount of people, like if you have just the email address and you're collecting it, versus you ask for their email address and only their first name, the conversion rates for actually capturing that information just by adding only their first name significantly drop. It just so like everything that makes it more complicated creates a lower conversion rate. It's something as simple as just asking for a first name and last name or anything and above than just that general collection of information you're trying to get. So moral of that story is it's the easier you can make things, the better, right? And the faster and more convert, more converts you'll have. But at the same time, it's like the marketing science behind it. This is happening to all of us, right? Like we all desire convenience and efficiency. Agreed. See, okay, so like this is a perfect example. Brian was talking and I was on my Instagram getting like background content to make a boomerang of him doing the podcast so that today I could tell people to look out for a new episode on Tuesday. Like that's just like we're having a conversation, but I couldn't even like sometimes sit here and focus because I'm trying to create content for the next thing. But what I'm trying, that's not healthy. This is not a good thing to do. So don't do what I just did. But um, let's pick something else of what we can, you know, relate this to. Not not the patience and like, you know, the time attention span, more so like things that people might be on autopilot or default with and don't think about in life. I have one actually while I just said that. Your morning routine. Is your morning routine the same thing you've had for like, I don't know, since you were in college, you know, or when you first got your job? Can you like find a much more efficient, holistic, healthier morning routine for yourselves? Like I used to personally as early as about a year ago, I used to get up at 4.30 in the morning, every single morning. I was always an early riser, always. But I used to get up at 4.30. What was the very first thing you do when you woke up? Check your phone? No, 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 no. I would, like, I pray. When my eyes first open, I pray. And that's been me as a kid. I always did that. But I would wake up and I'd go to Plank, which is like Pilates, like a um, Greek class. It's like Pilates kind of. And I'd go there. I'd be there by like 5.30, 5.45, I'd pull in. I'd go to class for an hour. I'd come back out. So my workout's done. Come home, have a protein shake, take the dogs out, do my thing, shower. And at this point, I would either do my meditation or skip it some days. I wasn't like on a, on a block routine yet. And I would either sit on my computer or take the dogs for a walk, have my breakfast. Whereas I was rushed in the morning because I had to be somewhere, my workout class. And then that kind of spazzy energy followed me throughout, throughout the day. Now, what I do a year, a year later, what I do now is I don't use an alarm, which obviously before I did. I turn my phone off when I go to sleep and usually try to put it far away from me. I try. 
And there, there, what you just said, there's a strategic reason for keeping that far away is because the actual electromagnetic waves from the phone can disturb your sleep. Yeah. Cycle. Just a and side for point. people who don't believe me here, just try it. For one week, turn your phone off, put it on a charger in a different room and sleep. And then tell me how you slept for that week. It's going to be it's going to be life changing. You can actually feel the difference. Mm-hmm. So the only tricky part about that is if you don't naturally wake up at a certain time and you got to do work. Yeah, which I do. But anyway, so I get up between normally my eyes like I, I'm up between like six and seven, right around when the time the sun starts to come up, like the first sunlight when it hits my room. I also like to sleep with the curtains open. That'll help you get up sooner. So naturally I do that. And this means I wake up without this nasty noise, just like, I cannot, I cannot explain to you guys. As a kid, I always knew I hated it, but I thought I always needed it. I changed mine to like an angelic harp that's like, God opens the day for you. I always thought that I needed the alarm, but I don't. And so right around like a year ago when I kind of learned that I don't have to be running around off my bed like a spring chicken in the morning and I have the luxury of starting my day how I want to start it, that's exactly what I did. You really would too because we, Nina just talked about this yesterday actually. That He's we, the one who had to go into an office and I'm the one getting up at 4.30 yeah. in the morning. Nina, you, Nina has this interesting thing that she does sometimes that um, when she has like a, a meeting or something she has to do, she gets like mentally flipped in this mode where it's like I've got to get all these things done and nothing's going to stop me. So get yeah. out of my way. <laughs> this is a reason for my success though. <laughs> I'm laser super focused. Um but, the, but he's right. But now since I've changed and my career has changed and I've shifted things to like mostly remote and I do it from my computer and it's on my own timeline that I can morph my mornings as I wish. But I do, I do wish that before, even when I had the nine to five job, I wish that I had realized that I always woke up at six naturally. I didn't need the alarm clock. Sure. You know, I never slept in. I kept the curtains open. The sunlight wakes you up. Like you just, your body and your mind can get used to anything you want it to get used to. I think that's the biggest key here. And I wish I learned that earlier. And like I didn't need to work out at the 6 a.m. class. Why? Mm-hmm. What, what am I doing? You know, who cares? And I just started doing it for a year and I still do it to this day. I'm in my parents' house now. We're out here for a couple months. And I always wake up between 6 and 7 still. I'll pray. I'll meditate in the morning. And then maybe I'll doze off a little bit again if I don't have anything to do. But I always get up on time every day Mm -hmm. and I don't have this nasty alarm noise waking me up giving me anxiety making my heart pound bursting me out of sleep um I just feel better Mm -hmm. I'm much more I have more clean energy in the morning I'm not pounding two cups of coffee to stay awake I woke up naturally you know I'm not pounding matcha lattes anymore I don't need them and so that's where I kind of learned um that my morning routine that was working for me a couple years ago is now not working and I have to change it. And so I did. I'll give an example of a morning routine for people that, because I do wake up with an alarm clock most mornings because I tend to not just wake up as well naturally. However, I will say, since I started sleeping with my curtains open, when the sun naturally rises, I tend to get up easier. And oftentimes now I am seeing that I'll wake up like five, 10 minutes before my alarm on my phone actually goes off. And then I don't have to hear There's it. There's a scientific reason for getting up along with the sun. Oh, yeah. For, and Bef- going to sleep with it, but we never do that anymore. Yeah. So for me, as a kid, I always had to go to sleep probably around like 10, 9 or 10 o'clock. But I always woke up 5 or 5-ish, even in high school, before the sun. And I felt like I had a lot of energy in the morning. Lately, in the summer times, I feel as though if I don't put an alarm on and I just get up around 6 when the first light hits and I'm just like meditating in bed or I'm praying in bed for like 30, 40 minutes... I wake up with such ease that my body's not like jerked out of something. But there's a scientific reason for it because when an alarm clock wakes you up, it doesn't allow you to wake up naturally. So your sleep cycle is off and it's interrupted abruptly. Whereas when you are relaxed and wake up naturally, your body's saying you're done. Yeah. You're rested. And so that's one thing I learned. And here's a a tip I think that will hopefully help a lot of people because I know a lot of people that probably do this because I did it for years. And once I switched, it made a significant difference. So for my morning routine, I would get up and I would, I used to immediately grab my phone and just make sure that I didn't have anything super pressing that I had to take care of, right? Like if an email came in late last night that was time sensitive that I had to take care of or a text message or something like that, just being that the nature of what I do for my career, sometimes we have very time sensitive things that need to happen. So I used to do that. And then 
if something came in, I would immediately have this switch that would go off in my head that would set my day up in that nature, right? Like, oh shoot, I've got to get something done. So now I've got to kind of go rush to do something, right? Um, and then it would immediately put me in this mindset that was kind of like, you know, this artificial, not anxiety, I wouldn't say, but artificial like pressure of like, okay, you got to make sure just, just get this done at some point. Say this is what you have to do, right? Yeah. But I'm already start my brain starts ticking already. Yeah. So I read an article about somebody, and I think it was, uh, who's that really strong guy that does it? Ed Milet, that really strong guy does a yeah. podcast, Ed Milet. And he said that he used to do that too. And then he started to pay attention and track what he was doing each morning and realized that it was causing like the subconscious anxiety throughout the day by doing that. So he goes, I changed my morning routine. And when I get up, besides from turning my alarm clock off, I don't look at my phone one time. I don't touch it. Mm -hmm. um, and what he was referring to is you don't touch your notifications. You don't touch your email, things like that. So you block that out until later in the morning. So what I started doing is I um, would get up now and I'll turn my alarm off. And the first thing I do every morning for the most part, after get a glass of water and take Onyx out, is I will go outside and do like 20 to 30 minutes of like yoga and mobility exercises, right? I, I'll take that back. I do pranayama first, like a, a three, four minute breathing exercise. Then I do yoga and then I do about 20, 25 minutes of meditation. And then I uh, pray for usually two, two to three minutes. And that takes up like the first hour of my day, right? So I get up at a decent hour. I do that. The first hour of my day is I just did my breathing exercises. I did my yoga. I meditated and I prayed. And now I'm in an incredibly calm state of mind that sets the entire day up for success, right? And it then I go and I see, okay, what do I got to work on today? What's time sensitive? That little hour that nothing's going to change. There's nothing ever so time sensitive that has to happen within that first hour between you know 6 and 7 a.m. or 5.30 and 6.30 a.m., whatever it is. And so I noticed when I did that, it completely transformed how my days ended up unfolding because I didn't have this mindset that immediately started running from the beginning about these different things that I needed to work on. And it's just made a huge difference. So I can't recommend that enough to people that if you get up and the first thing you're doing is you're on your phone and, or you're on Instagram and you're flicking or you're answering an email or seeing what you got, just just try not doing it. Try just setting your phone down. And if, it's, if it's 20 minutes or 30 minutes, just start out small and then build your way into it. It makes it harder to work out or meditate in the morning if when you wake up, you look at your phone first. Yeah. Um, that's just been my personal experience. Yeah. It's much easier to meditate. It's just much, much easier to be in your workout and just like being in the moment of your workout with your body when you don't look at your phone yeah. beforehand, when you're in... Or, or else your mind, even during workouts, your mind will start to think about all the things you have to do and oh, go yeah. places. And that's not the point of life. The point of life is to be in the moment. And one thing I will say, too, as a caveat, so I do use my phone for my yoga and meditations. Like, I'll have my phone sitting. I usually, if it's the weather's nice, I'll do it outside. And so I have my phone sitting, like, five feet in front of me. And it's playing the yoga routine that I'm doing. And maybe even afterwards, the meditation that I'm listening to, the music or something, if I'm putting my headphones in, that's playing as well. But I'm not looking at a notification. I'm not looking at an email. I'm not checking social media. And just the act of not doing that helps set your day up for success. Agreed. So before you started your thing, my morning routine, I get up on my own at this point. And it's pretty common. You know, I may lay in bed for another two hours if I can. But that's only because I can. I don't have anything pressing to do. And I know that. So then I'll go. Down, so I'll actually go into the bathroom, brush my teeth, wash my face with cold water, then I'll take a shower. And still, I'm not scrolling through Instagram or anything. I'm not checking anything. By the time I get downstairs, it's usually between 9 and 10 o'clock. And this is just like my summer routine lately, just for now, while COVID started and everything. Come downstairs, and I have about a half a cup of oatmeal. And then I just... Um, I do, I'm starting to do like a yoga thing after that too for digesting your food, which my mom taught me. But um, then I ease into my day. Then I open my computer. Then I check my email. Then I do my stuff. It's usually between 11 and 3 that I get the most done now. That doesn't seem like a lot of time, but... It doesn't mean you're not doing stuff doesn't, time. Yeah, it it's you're like most the most... Efficient. I've realized that I did more in two days of being in Pennsylvania just within like a two-hour time frame that I couldn't even get accomplished when I was in St. Louis because my mind's like all making dinner, doing this, doing that. You know, obviously it's helpful when I'm here. But it taught me that if I were to time batch my house duties, you know, and take this three hours just for work instead of trying to multitask everything, between 11 and 3, I could get a lot done. And... 
I didn't feel stressed. I didn't feel like I was working. I didn't feel like I was playing catch up with anything. None of it. And I feel like that's how everybody should have the luxury to feel with work. Nobody should have to feel pressure. Nobody should have to feel like they're being forced to do something, you know, like uninspired, unmotivated. Although there'll be days like that, you shouldn't have to live life like that. Before I thought about this topic of conversation for today's episode, I saw an IGTV video about Jeff Bezos. He's one of the only successful people in the world that doesn't get up early. He gets up on his own without an alarm clock between six and seven. And this is, I started doing this way before I saw this thing. I saw this, this post today. And it's like a whole video on him and his life and how he like just eases into his day. And then he's casually approaching life. He casually approaches work. He doesn't make things like a hard time, gotta do it, gotta go, gotta grind, gotta make it happen. Basically, he doesn't put this subliminal pressure, emotional pressure on himself. And my mom recently had told me that in life, if you can learn to actively do the things you need to do without being so emotionally attached to them, you're never resisting the universe anymore. You're now co-creating with with the universe. So I'm not discounting hard work and hours of work and being disciplined to do the work. I'm saying stop making it stressful. Stop letting your emotions push you or drive you. Don't get anxious about it. Don't let it run you. You have to do the opposite. Put yourself first. Put your mind first. Put your sleep first. Put your health first. Put your working out first. Whatever you like, put that first. And everybody's also very. Everybody's bodies are very different. Like some people naturally get up super Correct. early. My grandmother got up at like 4:30 a.m. naturally every day of her mm-hmm. whole life for the most part when she was older. Like I can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way I could wake up that early naturally. I agree. Day. Some people can't do it, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But try it. You're not going to know until you try it. Mm-hmm. I used to think that too as a kid that I can't get up without an alarm clock. I'm going to be late. Something else to pay attention to if your goal is to try to get up a little bit earlier naturally, don't eat so close to when you go to sleep. Oh, that's so the worst thing you can if do. If you eat, like yeah. I, I would have several hours for your last meal or drink before you go to sleep because what happens is if you eat and you go to sleep, obviously you're full and you're uncomfortable a little bit. But your body ends up consuming a ton of energy trying to digest what you just consumed. And you actually don't wake up naturally in the morning as early because it, it requires more energy. So your body's a little more exhausted. And requires your body's not resting. To yeah. digest and repair. It's not resting. It's yeah. digesting your food. And that exactly. takes four to five hours. Um, so that's a good point to make too. I just lost my train of thought of what I was going to say. Um, but anyways, morning routines is something that you should probably question in your lives and be like, am I just doing this on autopilot and default? Like, does this even, does my morning routine even make me happy? Sure. You should have a morning routine that makes you excited to get out of bed and makes you happy and helps you look forward to like your self-care routine or your workout routine or your walk with your dog, whatever mm-hmm. that is for you. Right. My calmest part of my whole day is the morning routine. That's what you should have. Mm-hmm. Um, something else you should look at is your nighttime routine too, or your skincare routine. There's always something in your life that you could be paying more attention to that's going to fulfill you. Mm-hmm. That's going to help you be better. If it makes you feel better, it should help you be better at the same time. And I just think that, you know, being 32 now, um, I feel as though you learn to put yourself first without fear of letting go of some other part of your life. I only have a couple more days I can say that. Yeah. So I turned 32 about two weeks ago. No, three weeks. June 8th is when I turned 32. And Brian is about to turn 33. Right. In like a couple days. 33 years of wisdom on this planet. Wisdom my ass. Every single day I get a little bit more. <laughs> You're not that wise. At least when I met you, you weren't. 1%. I had a lot of growth over the last five, six years, I would say. Yeah, a lot thanks of, to me. A lot of personal evolution. Just give me some credit. I am. Thanks to Fuel the she's, ego. She's no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, let's think about another, another area of life that people can be improving or changing that might be outdated for them. Um, sometimes your diet okay, diet is one um well at least for me it's changed so i used to be big on like raw vegan food for years um and i used to work out a lot eat very little and granted this was kind of a mishmash of like my college days and high school days which turned into like my working days and i kind of just never really found my flow with stuff mm-hmm. and after i got this after i got sick a couple months ago um, I've kind of just started to like really reevaluate what I'm eating. Although I've always been a vegan or a vegetarian and I've always eaten very healthy, not a big drinker, not, not into drugs or any of, uh, any of that stuff. I 
could have been doing better. And as I got older, you have to understand your body starts to change. change. Hormone levels change. Correct. I don't need to work out like I used to. So I haven't worked out since April. So it's been four full months of no workouts for me. That's never happened to me in the last 10 years of my life. And my fear of like gaining weight or this or that or looking a certain way. Well, to my surprise, guys. Four months now and you're basically the same. <laughs> I'm basically the same and I, like as if I was working out, but even like feeling mm-hmm. way better. Yeah. Like, Well, the most, the, the, I would say 70 to 80% of how you look is how you eat. It has yeah. nothing to do with your workout. Agreed. And that was the point I was going to get to is that I am not drinking like I used to drink in college, that I feel that I have to keep working out. I'm not even eating and drinking like I used to in law school when I first started to pick up this running and weightlifting and all this kind of habits that I you know, got back then. I changed so much in my food from there, but I'd never changed my workouts and I never changed my relationship with food and working out until this year. And it's funny because my jeans are actually more loose on me, which I'm I'm a size 25 in jeans or a one or sometimes a three, um, depending on what brand it is. And I, they're all, they're all loose on me right now. Even when I was working out and eating healthy, it's as though the hormones in my body weren't catching up, right? Well, so and, I was, and when you're constantly hitting your muscles with things. I was overdoing it. You're overdoing it. There's the inflammation that occurs in, things Correct. in your skin. And your the muscles. only reason I'm sharing this is because I'm sure there's girls out there who are doing the same thing sure. or guys. And so my advice to you would be that if you're in your 30s, you don't need to work out like a maniac. Well, I think the point is even if you're in your 20s, you don't. Right? Like you. But how do you tell a 20 year old to stop drinking five cores light at the bar? Well, no, I'm not saying that you do. And it shouldn't be the goal to tell somebody to control how to control their own. That was my. Well, I guess I'm going based on that. That was was my reason because I was eating junk food and drinking. And so I was like, I got to run it off. You know, like that was. Well, yeah, that makes. Okay. If you're eating terrible and you want to continue to eat terrible, which I don't recommend, then yeah, you do have to exercise more to try to counterbalance it. Correct. But the better, the easier way to do it is to eat super clean and not exercise. Right. But for me, I was kind of forced to eat really clean to like get better. And so my mom was like saying, you got to eat watermelon, you got to eat this, you got to eat that, you got to eat rice and lentils and more this. So in my head, I'm thinking I'm eating so many carbs, I'm eating that, I'm eating this. And it's funny because it's been four months and- And you know what makes you think like that? I'm better. The supplement industry. They, they manipulate your mindset into making you think about what you need from your macronutrients and micronutrients and all these different things so they can sell you products. And for you, and when you're young, it's easy to fall for that because you don't know any better, right? But once you learn and you research enough of it, you begin to realize that you know a carb on a McDonald's hamburger is very different from a carbohydrate from an eggplant or a sweet potato, right? Okay. Like it doesn't equal the same thing. Agreed. And you I'm, can't just look at it black and white. I'm eating way more and I'm not even working out yet. I can't work out yet. It's going to take me a couple more months to kind of get back into my uh, get my strength back. But I just realized that like, wow, my clothes fit me better. Um, everything is fine. I look the same, if not better also. And all I'm doing is eating extremely clean food. Um, it's all home-cooked food. I'm not ordering out. I haven't eaten out in months. We haven't eaten out since before COVID. I think once we ordered sushi. Oh, yeah. I right. think One once. Time, so. Yeah, once or twice. And so I'm eating very, very clean. I mean, we even went to your parents' house one time, and I had one bite of the pizza. Like, I'm not eating, I'm not eating out at all. And I just realized that, like, one, if you eat out at restaurants – the oil they use, the products they use, the type of vegetables and fruit they use, it's not good quality, guys. Yeah. It's it not healthy mean, for you. It doesn't mean don't go out and enjoy yourself every now and then. It means that if you're somebody who is constantly eating lunch and dinner out, you need to reevaluate that. There's there's no substitution for getting stuff from the farmer's market and making it yourself at home. Mm-hmm. There's just no substitution for that. And your health will pay. Um, physically and in like physically, like out externally, what you look like and internally. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's and, all I've been and emotionally, yeah. Emotionally. But that's all I've been doing for four months, and it kind of made me realize that wow, like your hormones change. And my mom would always tell me, she's like, "You don't have to work out like you were in college anymore, Nina. You're not drinking like that. You're not eating junk food like that." She goes, "Your body changes. Your hormones." She kept saying, "She goes, she's like, I'm my mom's very tiny, and she's like, your genes." Trust me, I know this. Like, you're never going... She's like, that was baby fat. Like, you're completely fine. Yeah. And she was right. Like, four months I've been forced to not work out and just eat clean. Obviously, my mom's around me these last several weeks, so it's helping me stay on my strict, clean diet. But she was right. Like, I I feel and look better than ever. And I also am not exhausting my body in ways that I don't need to. Mm-hmm. Now, when I start working out again in, in a couple more months here, I'm going to look at it as something that... There's like a thing 
don't look at working out as punishing your body for what you ate, but as like what your body can do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get into like yoga and Pilates and more about like body movements. If you guys ever had the chance to purchase our course, um, which is available on bydixon.com, our lifestyle course, you can get it there. In there, I talk about some mobility movements and some other workouts that I had initially started to um, incorporate in my routine earlier this year before I got sick. And I'm just going to go back to those, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes of just movement and yoga and Pilates and stretching your muscles and, you know, not hitting the ground and like bang, bang, bang and weight training and all that. I don't, I don't want to be 50 doing that. Let's just put it that way. I want to be 50 and naturally in the best shape of my life. Something I think that would help people, because I know it helps me when I started to think like this, is if you treat energy like currency each day, it really changes the way that you engage in activities and also how you eat. And what I mean by that is think that you have like X amount of energy each day, like in each degree of energy that you have is like a dollar. So you got a hundred bucks, right? Every little thing that you do, you're exhausting that energy dollar, right? Until you get to the end of the day and you're exhausted and you have to go to sleep, right? And so every activity that you do throughout the day is either physically or mentally draining your account of that energy dollar. Mm -hmm. And if you can do things that puts you in a better state of maintaining better levels of energy, whether it's eating certain foods, eating lighter at certain times of the day, engaging in activities that create better blood flow and oxygen throughout the body, not beating yourself up religiously seven days a week in the gym and giving your body time to rest, it's going to balance itself out and create better energy. And it's funny, just the other day, I saw a really interesting Gary V post, and he was talking to a group of people in their mid-20s. And he was saying, you know, so many people are trying to be influencers and trying to do these different things because they, they want to be where I am now in their life at 25, not realizing it's taken me 20 plus years to get to where I'm at. And he goes, here's what I got to tell you. When you are my age, you have the exact same energy levels that you do when you're 25 and 26. Nothing changes. He goes, you still feel good. As long as you're taking care of yourself, he's like, you still feel good. You still wake up around the same time. You still go to sleep around the same time. You have the same amount of time in a day as everybody else, so don't be so forced to rush by exhausting yourself right now, working 100 hours um, you know, on one task without taking some breaks because when you get to my age, it's not like you're going to run out of energy. You, know? like you still have the same amount of energy and time each day. So I think if people think through about where they're spending their energy every day, what are the foods they're eating and how that impacts their energy, what are the types of exercises they're doing and how they feel when they're done with them or later in the day, um, that should really help you reevaluate maybe your current programming and your current routine to see if it's something you want to disrupt. I agree. And just to jump back to one part, while you were talking, I thought of this. Growing up, I don't think that we were given the right information, and we've touched on this, so I'm not going to go too much into it, but like, you know, you have to have this much protein. You know, you have to have animal protein to survive and thrive and all this shit. Um, obviously, that's all outdated information. Um, that's not true anymore, but you had to change. You had to adapt your body and your lifestyle and your diet along with that, like I did. And now, if there's a word that I could use that I've been following for the last month or so, and it's working really well, I'd call it intuitive eating. That if I wake up and I'm not hungry then I'm not going to eat my oatmeal, you know? Or if I eat my oatmeal and I'm hungry again afterwards, then I'll have like a cup of cherries or a watermelon or this. But if I'm not, I'm not going to force myself to to get my calories in. And I'm also not going to not eat because I didn't work out that day, you know? So it's all about eating really fresh, whole foods and realizing that you're just going by what your body is craving and asking for. This didn't hit me until the other day. So some of the medicine that I had to take for this um, virus that I had in my body was really hard on my stomach and it like really messed my stomach up. On top of it, for five days to boost my immune system, me, the dumbass, decides to drink a large cup of water with lemon, honey, and turmeric mixed in every morning on an empty stomach. And I did it for five days until on the sixth day, I was just like going through the worst stomach pains and nausea 24-7. I've been dealing with this for about a month now and it's just I cause too much like acid in my stomach and like that stuff is not easy on your stomach. You're never supposed to drink honey and turmeric together. Mm -hmm. So I had to eat a very lighter diet right now until my stomach settles down. And in doing that, my mom goes, do you feel better today? Like she asks every day. And then yesterday we were all, me and Brian and my mom were driving around 
And I was looking at like McDonald's signs mm-hmm. and like um, this old pizza spot that I grew up going to here because I'm in Pennsylvania right now. And I'm like, my mouth is watering in the driver's seat. I'm like, I want that. I want that. I want all this food. And my mom goes, do you know what this means? And I'm like, no. And she goes, she's like, it means that your body is now healing. Your stomach's getting better. And naturally you're craving those things that you used to eat before. She's like, you have to go with what your body's saying but within reason. Obviously, don't go eat pizza, you know? But she was just saying, she's like, you have to follow and listen to your body and then make the right choices from that. But it was interesting how she's like, when you're craving more food after you've been going through nausea and stomach pain for the last month, now it means that you're on the path to healing. Mm -hmm. And I just felt as though the Western world doesn't look at healing like that you know they're like no you still have to take your medicine you know it's like 60 days or yeah and for her it was more like intuitive like Mm -hmm. gotta go with the flow go with your body and you couldn't tell me this shit in my 20s okay if someone's listening and they're in their 20s right now like i know you're probably listening to me like nope still gonna do what i do and like i love it it's working for me right now great but i'm telling you after 30 you look for ways that are efficient and things that make you happier and more fulfilled whether it's your morning routine your diet your workout stuff you don't go on the same you don't follow the the herd anymore you know you just go your own way and i just think that you should be doing that in all areas of your life and that was the whole point of this topic is that question things that you do Mm -hmm. things that you think of question where you live question the people you hang around with and make changes adapt don't be afraid um this is called evolving Mm -hmm. um and you might not get it right the first time, but eventually you will, and you'll find something that works for you. I'm sure that my my morning routine won't last forever. I'll have to probably adjust mm-hmm. at some other point. If something in my life changes, I'll have to adjust my morning routine as well. And that's what's called adapting and evolving and learning what are good, healthy habits for you. Sure. Um, because you're not the same person you were five years ago or ten years ago. And you don't want to be. You don't want to be. I agree with that, hundred percent. Anything else? Good. Um, I'm gassed at this point. Yeah, no, I think that was good. I think we got a lot of good content out there. Um, One thing I will say is let's talk to some people just briefly around some interesting book that I read recently. Oh. So we had this long drive, like we mentioned before, in um, from St. Louis to Pennsylvania. And so I listened to this book on the way up called Journeys Out of the Body. And it's by this guy named Robert Monroe. And he created this thing called the Monroe Institute where he learned how to, um, through sounds and certain meditation techniques, how to teach people how to astrally project. Um, And if if you're not familiar with what astral projection is, it's basically when you can train your body to sit still while, for lack of a better term, your spirit or energy body leaves your body and actually is tangible in different places and moves around. This has been known for thousands and thousands of years in ancient civilizations. Um, you know, if you have ever had an incredibly vivid dream where you like feel like you're in a different place and you're talking with people, that's astral projection. You just didn't, you were just sleeping while it was happening, but you were actually somewhere else while your tangible body was there, right? Um, so when he was young, probably in like his 30s or 40s, he, this started happening to him randomly while he was like sleeping. And I remember this one thing is he's like, I was, one night I woke up and I felt like something was like hitting me, like a fountain almost. And I was like, what is this? And um, he's like, well, I thought I woke up. And he goes, and then I looked over and he's like, I was like bouncing on the ground. And I thought it was like this fountain, water fountain thing that was like hitting me. And I couldn't tell what it was. And he goes, and then I realized I wasn't bouncing on the ground. I was bouncing on the ceiling and I was hitting like the chandelier in our bedroom. And he goes, and then I looked down at the bed and I saw my wife laying in bed. Now he's like, it was a very unique experience. And I saw a person laying next to my wife. And he goes, you know, me being curious, I, I wanted to see who was laying next to my wife. And I was like, this is a rather odd dream. And so he kind of like pushes himself over and realizes that it's him laying next to his wife. And he's outside of his body staring at him and his wife. And um, then like he, you know, over time, this kept happening to him over and over again. And he started talking with his different doctors and scientists. And this guy was a very successful businessman um, with a media company. And so he developed an, a research division of his company to do nothing but study and focus this. And for like the rest of his career, he learned all these interesting things about it about training people how to do it and what he learned when he was in these astral planes and came back and brought to his human form. It was a really fascinating book. So I just wanted to drop that note in there because if anybody's into that kind of stuff, check out Journeys Out of the Body by Robert Monroe. Good job. Thank you. Anyone listening, guys, if you have any um, 
certain topics that you think Brian and I should discuss or you have questions or like, you know, that could turn into a topic that we could change, DM me at Nina Pal Dixon on Instagram or DM Brian at BrianDixon06. Um, we're always looking for new ways to create content and talk about new subjects and topics. And although I have like a book filled with stuff that I could talk about, sometimes I do filter myself when I'm creating the content for this podcast because I'm not sure of what people want to listen to and what, what they want to hear or how open or not open or how taboo some topics are. But if you guys shoot me a DM with any suggestions on what you guys want to hear us discuss or research or talk about or hear our opinion on something, don't ever be um, shy or hesitant to ask us to talk about something because yeah, reach out anytime. if it's of interest or even if it forces me to think outside of the box, I will do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll force Brian to do it too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. See you All next right. week. Thank you.